Hello, Monetization Nation. I'm Nathan Gwilliam, your host. Does your workforce struggle with staying focused, adapting to changes, working as a team, or taking initiative? You're not alone. Many businesses run into these challenges. David Covey spent three years of study and research on human dynamics in the workplace to offer us solutions to these traps we fall into. David is a small business owner, global licensing expert, the former COO of Franklin Covey, and the son of Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he is the author of Trap Tales, Outsmarting the Seven Hidden Obstacles to Success. In his book, he teaches us how to avoid and overcome the seven traps at work, which we will be discussing today. We will cover the following key takeaways. Number one, the restraining forces that prevent us from reaching our goals are what David refers to as traps. We have to overcome these traps if we wish to succeed in our goals. Number two, there are seven common work traps we may fall into that David talks about. Number one, the busyness trap. Number two, the procrastination trap. Number three, the ego trap. Number four, the trigger trap. Number five, the silo trap. Number six, the settling trap. And number seven, the myopia trap. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate being on your show. Can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? I'm passionate about this new content that I have. Uh, I have a business that helps companies go global, and we have a lot of other uh, third-party content that we represent, which is awesome. But there's nothing like your own content, you know, something that you created. And so I like this whole concept of of traps and trapologists. Uh, a trapologist is just somebody who is a, is an expert at spotting and staying out of traps. And I really believe that there's a lot of traps that are preventing us from reaching our potential and achieving our goals. So that that's kind of my current passion right now that I am uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, speaking and, and, and presentations on and one day programs and so forth. So it's been a lot of fun. And we're going to go into that in a lot of detail. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about this point that you just made about how there's nothing like having your own content. And I completely agree with that point. Uh, your father is is one of my heroes. And I remember growing up in in high school, reading his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and how that just transformed my life. And, and you know, there, there probably hasn't been you know, a month that hasn't gone by since then that I haven't thought about or tried to apply one of those principles. That just became part of core of, of who I am. And your father is, is arguably, you know, one of the world's greatest um, organizational uh, development expert, was one of the greatest organizational development experts, personal development experts anywhere, all time. And And, and I'm very sorry for for his loss, for your loss of, of him. Um, you passed away tragically in a, in a bicycle accident. And um, if your father had not written that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, if he just would have continued to teach, but wouldn't have created his own content, how do you think the trajectory of his life would have been different? I mean, I think it was, I think it was a game changer for him. Uh, he was a professor for 25 years. Uh, he loved being a professor. He loved his classes. He didn't like a lot of the academic, uh, limitations, uh, 
but one of the limitations was research. He, he wasn't, he wasn't a big researcher and, you know, a lot of professors nowadays, uh, a lot of the requirements in academia is to do a lot of research and his passion was around teaching. And so for him, uh, I, th I think he would have, you know, gone on and continued to be a outstanding professor, uh, you know, well-loved uh, and well-attended professor, and, and he loved teaching aspect of it, but he felt limited by the size of the classroom. You know, it was just the number of students that could come and it was only reaching, you know, hundreds a year. And I think his passion was to, you know, to, to try to reach thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions, which is what he's, which, which is what his book, you know, enabled him to do. So, but it required the 25 years of being a professor and learning all the things he learned, you know, for him to finally be able to break out on his own and, you know, start his own business. I remember uh, when he started his own business, I was 18 years old, just, just, you know, graduating from high school and, and uh, I had, you know, eight siblings. So my father had nine kids and he went off and he was 50 years old and he was starting his new, his own business, which is you know, not something that a lot of people think of doing is I think I'm going to start my own business at age 50 and, and, uh, and leave the cocoon of academia and being a professor and so forth, which, which he loved. He loved that world, but it was, it was really a, a risky move. And I'm, and I'm glad it was one that I'm glad that you know, I think in hindsight, I'm glad that he took it, but there was a lot of growing pains in, in making that transition. Yeah. And he was wildly successful in that. So many people think that if they're going to start a business, they have to do it early on in life. And that's a great example of maybe even later in life when we've gained our expertise and, and uh, maybe have found our voice might be even a better time to, to get out and, and start that new venture. I think so. Or at least, you know, I mean, I think some people know from an early age, you know, hey, they want to be a entrepreneur, they want to have their own business, they don't want to work for a company. And that's fine. But for me, also, I had the same experience, you know, I started my own business when I was 44. And I had seven kids. So I wasn't 50 and nine, but 44 and seven is, is still pretty comparable. And, uh, and I think that there's a lot of great opportunities, you know, later in life, you know, you're more seasoned, you're more experienced, you kind of know exactly what you want to do. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, I think absolutely anybody can start a business at any time in their life. And that's one of the things we treat, uh, teach in the Trapologist course is that, uh, that uh, you can change your life at any stage in your life. Uh, and the most important thing is to not focus on the past, focus on our past mistakes, but to really focus on the future. Okay, so let's let's dive into this. What is a trapologist? Yeah, so I said, so a trapologist, so I have this paradigm of, you know, there's Kurt Lewin's force field analysis. He says, anytime you want to make a change, you have your current state and you have a desired state and you have uh, driving forces or like initiatives, and then you also have restraining forces. So the restraining forces are really the traps. Those are the obstacles that are getting in the way. Let me give you a, a practical example. You know, uh, New Year's resolutions, every uh, every New Year, a lot of us, including myself, we may set uh, a resolution to maybe lose some weight. Uh, so I'm going to lose, you know, 15 pounds this year. And, and that's, that's a New Year's resolution. So what we do is that we go out, you know, what do we do? We join a club. We decide we need to eat well, uh, you know, eat better than what have we been eating. There's a lot of things that we can do. But I would I would contend that there's there's traps that 
that, that I specifically have that get in the way for me losing 15 pounds. The first one is uh, late night binging. So if, I, if, I'm, if I'm eating after 6 p.m., that's not a good thing. So I, so I have to say, you know what? I'm not going to eat after 6 p.m. Second thing is I have to exercise first thing in the morning. If I don't exercise first in the first thing in the morning, it's not going to happen. So I have to make sure I need to do that. And the third thing is uh, less of a problem during COVID. But uh, when I go to the movies, I have to avoid eating that big tub of popcorn, right? It's like equivalent of eating, you know, four Big Macs. So I use that as, as an analogy is those are three traps for me specifically that I fall into uh, in losing weight. And if I focus more on those traps, avoiding those three traps, then I'll be more successful in losing the weight as opposed to just all the initiatives and all the different things that I could do. So I, I like to think of this as a metaphor in our life is that a lot of times when we're not reaching our goals or achieving our vision, we just kept pushing the, our foot harder on the, on, on the accelerator. And that's not the answer. I think the answer is looking at the traps, looking at the obstacles, looking at the things that are getting in the way for us achieving our, you know, uh, achieving what we want to achieve and, and removing those, those traps. So I think that there's tons of traps. There's traps in, in our life. There's traps at work. Uh, there's a lot of traps, but of course, being a cubby, I had to distill my traps down to seven, right? That's right. My father wrote the five habits of highly effective people. Anybody would read it. No, they only read it because there's seven seven habits. So uh, my focus is on the seven traps at work. So let's talk about those. Why don't you take us through those seven traps one by one and and uh, and maybe share with us a story or an example of, of each one? Of course. So the first three traps are related to yourself. First trap is the busyness trap. And that's where we're drowning in the thick of thin things. Okay. We, we all can relate to this. Our life uh, can be crazy and overwhelming with all the information coming at us things we have to do, emails and so forth. And so uh, the answer to that, uh, that I call it the busyness trap, the busyness trap. So the answer to that is to learn how to say no and to narrow our focus. That's, that says easy, but that's hard. All, a lot of us struggle uh, learning how to say no and to narrowing our focus. So the second trap is the procrastination trap. And the procrastination trap is where we're idling in the status quo. We all have things that we know that we need to change, that we need to do differently. And it's, it's not a matter of not knowing. In fact, in, in my class, I, I often ask people and say, everybody just be silent for a moment and think, what are one or two things that you know you need to change in your work life? And everybody can come up with those one or two things. The difficulty is to implement those things and, and to actually uh, make that happen and, and not to delay. Most of the time we delay until external forces require us to change uh, as opposed to reinventing ourselves immediately. The third trap is the ego trap. And this ego trap is maintaining this facade of perfection. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you know, social media, uh, social media creates this image, this perception that everything is perfect. And in fact, the people that you look at, uh, they look like they're always on vacation. They always have the perfect clothes. They're, you know, they're beautiful people. Uh, as you know, Wall Street Journal did an article recently on on the damage that Instagram is doing to young young women, you know, because it creates this, you know, this image of what life is like, which is, you know, and, and their body and what their body should be like. And, and it's just it's just not it's not a lot of healthiness in that. And so uh, 
so the ego trap suggests that rather than trying to maintain this facade of, of perfection, the way to get out of that is is to try new things and 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 fail. And, and failure is okay. A lot of times we associate failure as being negative. Uh, Carol DeWick, you know, the, the the Stanford psychologist, you know, talks about the the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset. This is mainly applying in, into school, but the, the growth mindset is one of, you know, if I don't succeed at first, then I, I, I try and experiment and I do, I do different things. And if you look at any of the great uh, inventions uh, and the great breakthroughs, Nathan, they all have come from people who've been willing to challenge the status quo, to try new things, uh, you, know, to, you know, to try, to fail, to learn, and to repeat what uh, Jeff Bezos calls successful failure. These are the people that are succeeding, the people that are, are willing to, you know, to, you know, to take, take risks and take, take new chances. So those are the first three traps. I love how you gave me a solution for the third one. Can you give me a solution to the first two traps as well? The focus and procrastination? Yeah, so for the busyness trap, the solution is to learn to say no. Oh, that's right, you did say that. Narrow our focus. Okay, so a good example, good corporate example of that was uh, Steve Jobs when he came back for his second act with uh, with Apple. Apple was, you know, this is in 1997. Apple was hemorrhaging cash. It was totally unfocused. This is Apple, unfocused, had all kinds of products. Uh, Steve Jobs spent a couple months at the interim CEO and he drew a two by two matrix. And he says, we're gonna make four products. We're gonna make two products for the consumer we're going to make two products for the professional. Everything else goes and everybody freaked out. How can you cut my project? You know, what are you doing? But what he was doing is he was focusing the company and uh, requiring them to be more disciplined. Today, Apple has a market capitalization, you know, of like 1.2 uh, trillion. Actually, I think it's one point like four trillion. I can't keep track of it. It keeps going up. But they were the first trillion dollar market cap company. But where do they get their revenues? They get their revenues from five or six or seven products. It's absolutely incredible story of the power of focus. And similarly in our lives, you know, that's what that's that's the that's the answer to busyness is is to focus. Uh, you know, and to narrow our focus. That's that's how we overcome busyness. For procrastination, what we need to do is we need to uh, 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 we, we need to reinvent ourselves. Okay. So procrastination is that we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. I have a friend that kind of jokingly says, but it's not totally joking. He says, anytime I feel like working out, I lay down until the feeling goes away, <laughs> which is not a good recipe, you know, for staying in shape and keeping his body healthy and strong. But that's often how we are, how we're like, is that we resist change. We, we, we don't, we procrastinate these changes until we're forced to change. And then when we're forced to change, our options aren't very good. You know, I mean, if, if someone literally, you know, never took care of their self, their body, and, and the only time they change is, okay, well, I've now had a heart attack, I'm in the hospital. That's not a good time to start making the changes. We need to start to reinvent ourselves before external forces require change. And if you look at any of the great individuals or companies, they're constantly reinventing themselves. They're staying ahead of the curve. They're not uh, resting on their laurels. You know, even giant companies, you know, I mean, like a giant company like General Electric. Who would have thought that General Electric 
would be, you know, uh, struggling as a company and almost becoming irrelevant. And, and, and they have because they haven't reinvented themselves and they are resting on their laurels. And <clears throat> so it's a, it's a tough one for us. It's just much easier to kind of just, you know, maintain our uh, current flow and mode and, and not to change, not to disrupt ourselves and reinvent ourselves is hard. Uh, so that's the, that's the solution to uh, the procrastination trap. Okay, number four. Okay, so uh, four, five, and six all come together. They are the traps that interact with other people. So the fourth trap is the trigger trap. So we have, all of, all of us have triggers, things that set us off at work, and we allow emotion to taint our perspective uh, when, when we fall into this trigger trap. In the course, I ask people to identify their triggers. They even take a, a self-assessment to look at what those triggers are. Most people know what their triggers are, but they don't necessarily have a plan on how to deal with their triggers. I'll give you an example for, for one of my triggers. One of my triggers is slow drivers. I, 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 it, it <laughs> crazy. I want to crawl out of, uh, out of my car and I want to just beat the guy <laughs> in front of me of, of driving so slow. But I do two things. The first thing I do is I breathe. You know, I, I just kind of remind myself, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Take a deep breath. The second thing I do is I make up a story about why that person's driving so slow. Oh, their mother mother must have just passed away. Oh, they failed the bar exam for the third time in a row. <laughs> I create this story about what's happening and I do those two things and that helps me deal uh, with my trigger. And, and, and that's what we need to do as well is that we need to you know, create, create a strategy on how we deal with our triggers. If we, we can't do it in the moment, because that's why they're called triggers. That's why we react negatively. So we have to create a strategy to broaden our perspective, whatever that may be. I, I, I told you what I do when I am triggered by slow drivers. So that's, that's the trigger trap. The, the, the next trap is the silo trap. That's operating as independent as a team, uh, as an independent on a team. And a lot of us, uh, our, uh, we have sometimes our marriage is like that, where we get married, but we still operate like a married single, or we're on a, on a team at work, but we still operate like we're independent. We haven't learned how to collaborate. There's a lot of data uh, that suggests that a lot of people believe that teamwork is important for other people, not for them. <laughs> how many think teamwork is important? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many work well on teams? Uh, not me, not me. I, I don't like to work on teams. And so we have this, uh, this silo trap where we, we operate in this silo. And so the answer to that is to, uh, to collaborate and, and to focus on a mutual vision, you know, this, this broader vision. You know, if people can get behind a broader vision, I often use the, the, uh, the story about how many of you do jigsaw puzzles. And a lot of people, yeah, I do a jigsaw puzzle. And I say on a scale of one to 10, how important is it for you to see the end scene in mind? I mean, it's a 10, I got, I got to see the end scene. And, you know, if I don't see the end scene in mind, then how can I, how can I do the jigsaw puzzle? And I'd say, well, that, that's the problem oftentimes with teams is that we don't have the common mutual vision of the end scene in mind. Someone's thinking that they're doing a jigsaw puzzle on the Taj Mahal and other people think it's the Eiffel Tower. And that's a big, big problem. You know, if you're working on that jigsaw puzzle together with the team. So you got to learn how to collaborate and you've got to learn to uh, to create this, you know, foster a mutual vision. So that's that's 
That's trap five, the silo trap. Trap six is the settling trap. This is where we lose our passion and inspiration in our professional work. And a lot of times people think that work is just about making money. Actually, work is one of making money is one of four things. So money takes care of the stomach. Okay. We need to have our mind engaged. That's the second. We need to have our heart engaged. That's the passion part of it. Okay. The mind is more the ideas. And then we need to have our spirit engaged. And that's the purpose part of it. You know, that that's, that's where we make a difference that we matter, right? Steve Jobs said, you know, to put a dent in the universe, you know, that you matter. And those are really the four, four needs that we have. And those four needs have, you know, have been around forever. You know, they're scripturals. They're, they've been around in the religious texts. Uh, in Luke 2, 52, in the New Testament, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and grew in favor with God and man. Well, there's the four areas. Wisdom, mental, stature, physical, grew in favor with God, spiritual, and man, social, emotional. So we have these four aspects to our lives. We have massive disengagement uh, worldwide. If you look at the studies, there's you know people that are actively disengaged or somewhat disengaged. We have this disengagement, and it's because one of those four needs are not being met. You know, just to pay somebody well is not enough. You have to engage their mind, engage their heart and their spirit. Those are, those are the four things that need to be reactivated. So, so if we have if we lost our passion or inspiration at work, it's probably because one of those four needs are not being met. Maybe three of them or two of them, but all of them, it's important for them to be met. The last trap is the, the seventh trap is the myopia trap, and that's failing to see the big picture. And a lot of us uh, at work, we are so myopic. We're focused just on our, our work that we do. And sometimes we don't understand and connect ourselves to the bigger why of why we're doing this. The organization also has a responsibility to do that. They have, they teach the strategy, the company, but they need to give the people that are working in the company the line of sight to see the why as well. So we both need to see the why. And, uh, and if you don't see the why, then it's hard to feel like uh, what you're doing is really contributing to the business or company. Obviously, if, you're, if you have your own business or it's a small business, it's much easier to connect. But if you're working in a company, you know, we have this obligation as leaders is for ourselves to connect with the why and then as leaders to make sure our people are able to see the why. Uh, and and that's 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 critically important if we want to overcome the myopia trap. Thank you so much, David, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. To learn more about or connect with David, you can find him on LinkedIn. Visit his website at davidmrcovey.com or get his book, Trap Tales. You can find links to each of these sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can also get a free copy of my ebook, Passion Marketing, and learn how you can become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success in overcoming the modern day traps at work. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.